Welcome to the Mount Pisgah Student Life Podcast, where we will talk about all that God is doing right here in our ministry. What would you do when you do what you said you'd never do? Yes, uh, it's the greatest name we've ever come up with. It's just a really nice, long string of letters. That is our title for this. Um, It is the greatest thing we've ever come up with here. What do you do when you do what you said you'd never do? And that's what we've been talking about. Last week, Anna led us through uh, this this conversation in view of salvation and lordship and, and where we are in our walk with the Lord. And one of the greatest things that can ever happen um, at church or in our lives happened last week, and several of y'all met the Lord for the first time and, and gave yourselves to the Lord. Um, and I think that that is, is amazing. And it's really easy to walk away from those things and kind of have this high and this experience and this um, excitement around the choice that was made. It's really easy to walk away from those moments and feel like that's the last chapter, to feel like that's the end of the book, to feel like you have now arrived and, and been successful and, and it's completed. The most beautiful part of being saved The most beautiful part of of coming to know the Lord, the most beautiful part of allowing him to be Lord and King in your life, not just Savior, is that it's really chapter one. Because everything that comes after that is with the Lord, and it's a new book, and it's a new life. And it's really uh, fun when we get to hear messages about how great that is, and how beautiful it is, and how fun that is, but the reality is even a life with the Lord is difficult. Loving Jesus doesn't mean we always do everything right. Being saved doesn't mean that everything we say or do is the correct thing. Um, growing up, I'm from, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Most of you all know that. But I grew up uh, swimming and running, and, and I had some really awesome coaches. Uh, but I also had some really terrible coaches. Um, some, of, some of you guys in here swim at Mount Pisgah. Your coach is horrible. Um, he's the worst. But... I had some great coaches and I had some really terrible coaches. And, and really the big difference between my coaches that were phenomenal, just like great men or women in my life, people that I trusted very much, people that I wanted more from than just learning how to be better at my sport, the main difference there was how they spoke to me. Because I could have coaches who would scream in my face but I knew what they were saying and I knew why they were saying it was coming from a place of wanting the best for me, of wanting me to reach what I could reach, of, of wanting and knowing that I had more to give and I was willing then to do that for them. But the opposite was also true. We had these other coaches who would get in your face and yell and scream and get angry and, and we didn't have that relationship. It didn't come from a place of love. It didn't come from a place of wanting the best for me or or wanting me to to succeed or or be the best that I could be. It It was really about their ego or their kind of chance to be in charge and and take this moment of power over a a kid. And I really struggled with that for a long time because they were saying very similar things. The coach that was yelling at me out of a power trip versus the coach that was yelling at me out of love, they really were saying the same things to me. But I realized that the manner in which it was being delivered and the the point behind what was being said matters significantly. 
Yesterday, I got to have one of my favorite conversations that I've had in a really long time. It was just randomly at Starbucks, and, and we got to have a, a great conversation about stuff that I'm really passionate about. And in that conversation, this came up, that the way things are said and the manner in which conversations are had matter. And so I, I went home and thought a lot about it and had a, a different message written until about three hours ago. But we're going to look at what the Lord says about the way we interact with each other tonight. And in this kind of theme of what do you do when you say you'd, or when you do what you said you'd never do, and we have these moments where we say, look, Lord, I'm following you and and I'm going to do everything you are, everything you tell me to do. I'm, I'm going to follow you. You're going to be my Lord. The first thing to go in that, because it's the easiest and the quickest thing to go, is when we neglect love. It's when we neglect to love. So we're going to start today in 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's, it's titled The Way of Love. And uh, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard 1 Corinthians 13 quoted. It's the cheesiest and most commonly used scripture ever at weddings. If you ask your parents if they had a scripture read at their wedding, I'd say eight out of 10 times it's going to be from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But we skip this incredibly important part of what this passage in Corinthians says. And, and here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. Paul is kind of winding down this first letter to the church in Corinth. He's writing to them, and, and, and it's been a lot of beat down and a lot of building back up, because that's really kind of who Paul is. When you read anything that Paul writes, there's both. And he's coming to this right after a, a time of talking about spiritual gifts and all these laws and rules and kind of the technical or administrative things about our faith. And we get to this one point, and he says, look, all of that doesn't matter. None of that matters if it's not done in love and if love is not a part of what we're doing. Because the thing that is most essential is love. We read these and, and, and it kind of just washes over us and we don't think too much about it. So I'm going to kind of translate it for us. This first verse where he says, man, I, I can speak in tongues of, of all people. So I can speak any language. Or if I can speak with the angels and speak the same language the angels speak, but I don't love. I'm just making noise. Because none of it matters. He says, man, if I was able to see the future, could tell you exactly what was coming next, if I could tell you exactly what is going to happen in your life, but I don't have love, I really don't have anything. He says, look, if I gave everything I have away, if I'm the most philanthropic person in the world, if I give everything, including my own body, to be burned 
but I don't have love, I haven't gained anything. And this is maybe the most important piece of this as we talk about and look through and think about the impact and importance of love in our life. Because so many of us live a life for the Lord in which we try to barter. I'm going to give you this so that you give me something in return. And we try to live this life in relationship with Jesus that's really similar to what I had with my coaches. So look, I'm going to give you what I have and you're going to give me back your best effort. I'm going to give you all the knowledge that I have and you're going to turn that around and be a better athlete. And we say the same thing with God. We say, God, today I have an hour to give you. I'm going to maybe say a prayer or two. I, I might get into scripture. Maybe if I have time, I'm going to give you a couple pieces. This person sitting alone, I'm going to go sit with them. I'll, I'm going to give you these things, but Lord, I, I expect to be blessed in return. I expect to have these things given back to me. And when we really look at those decisions made and the actions that we're doing, they're good. There's nothing technically wrong with them. But the thing that is missing is love because none of those actions are being done with the presence or purpose of loving. So this kind of leads us then to a second piece because for so many of us, when, when there is a lack of love, what happens is we are hurt. Whether it's we are the one who acted out of a lack of love or someone in our life acted from a lack of love, we are hurt either way. If we're the ones that acted from a lack of love, we get called out for it and our feelings get hurt. If somebody else acted out of a lack of love and it was directed towards us, we feel like we were misused or targeted and it hurts our feelings. Rightfully so. So while it would be really easy just to say, look, what do you do when, when you do what you said you'd never do and that, that one thing that you do is you forget to love and it's like, okay, then love. That's the end of the, the conversation, but there's, there's a second piece that's equally as important. Because when we're hurt, Jesus gives us direction on that too. And in this whole series, when we're talking about doing things that we thought or said we wouldn't do, this is maybe the hardest one for us. Because it's how do we respond when we are hurt? What is our response or action when someone in our life, whether we love them and trust them already or don't, hurt us? I'm going to flip back to, to Matthew for this. And this is Jesus speaking this time. And he's just kind of gotten done preaching and teaching through Jerusalem. And, and this is at the, the end of kind of a time of Miracle on miracle on miracle being done back to back to back to back. Jesus traveling around, showing who he is, showing his glory, his, his magnificence, all these things. And the leaders of the church are really starting to notice him and be very upset with him. They don't like what he's doing. They don't like what he's about. And he's challenging directly their way of life. And so we get to this point where it almost seems like Jesus has kind of had it with the way people treat each other. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15, we read this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Right there, that is something that we struggle with. 
the very first direction that Jesus gives in this passage, especially when we are the one who is hurt, the first direction we struggle the most with, because what do we do when we're hurt? We tell everybody but the person who hurt us. We want to make sure that we have a righteous mob of people behind us and on our side before we go and have that conversation. We want to make sure that we are backed up and strengthened before we have that conversation. Jesus says, look, that's not the way we do this. You go and you talk one-on-one. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, then you take one or two others among you, or along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So he's saying, look, if they don't listen to you the first time, then get some people that you trust and are not coming to back you up and to help you in this fight and make it three on one, but instead are there for the purpose of mediation, for the purpose of seeing two people be reconciled, for the purpose of seeing two people come to a place where love is central, and you're able to move on and forward through that. And again, he says, if he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Saying, look, if, if after these kind of two levels or three levels, including the church, which would be kind of this body, if they're not going to listen after that, then, then cut that vine. There's no reason to keep that person close and central in your life. Be done with that because you have done what Jesus has told you to do and how to respond in moments when we are hurt. He finishes with this. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Here's kind of the central or maybe utilizable piece of this message. We get our feelings hurt a lot. We got people in here that are like, nah, I, I just let stuff roll off me. I don't keep this stuff inside or I don't bottle it up. It's not something that I really struggle with. I'm not somebody that really gets affected by these things. I hope that's true. Because what that often means and shows is that you are living in a community that is often or most often speaking or acting from a place of love. But for many of us, maybe even most of us, we live in a world where love is often the last thing given. We live in a world where people want to be the first, the best, the most, and you are a great step to stand on on the way there. We live in a world full of clanging gongs and clashing cymbals and people who are not gaining things because they don't understand who the Lord is and what the love of the Lord means for them. How we respond is what sets us apart. How we respond to these moments of being hurt and being wounded is what changes our lives and the lives of the people that we are going to and with. For many of us, that is the toughest step in this whole equation. We like being hurt. 
And if we really want to, uh, to be truthful with ourselves, that's true. We like to be the one that something has happened to so that we get the attention from that. We get the notoriety from that and we get a group of people who we feel like is on our side. A way that we seek relationship with people is through telling what has happened to us before we've taken anything to that other person. At the foundation of this, the last piece, we have to ask ourselves, are we allowing Jesus to be a part of that equation? Are we allowing Jesus into those places and into those moments where we are feeling hurt or we are the one who did hurt someone else? Are we allowing the space for Jesus to be there because if you look back at Corinthians, right after that passage that we had just finished with, Paul finishes with, an explanation of what love is. And this is what many, many of us have heard at weddings. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. The only thing in history that is all of those things is Jesus. There is nothing else in the world that is able to bear all things that is able to believe or be believed by all things, that is able to be hope, that is able to endure past all, and that never ends. So when we have these moments, these places and these spaces where we are hurt, we are the one who is hurt, and we don't know what to do, the answer is very straightforward. Giving a place and a space for Jesus to be central in those conversations allowing a place and a space for Jesus to come in and be the love that was not there in the first place and taking that to the person who has hurt us. The band is going to come back up and, and they're going to lead us in one more song of, of worship tonight. And the reason we're doing this, the reason we're finishing with one more song of worship is because worship is really for one thing only. And that's putting ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And like we just said, the only thing that works and the only thing that matters in places where we have been hurt, where we are hurting, where the world has stepped on us, stepped over us, left us behind, the people that we care about are leaving us behind, hurting us, whatever. The only thing that can change that or make that whole is Jesus. Because Jesus bears all things, Jesus endures all things, Jesus never ends. So as we go into this moment and we worship together, I ask you guys to do that in whatever way makes sense for you. If that's you want to go to the back of the room and, and spend time with the Lord and, and worship, do that. If that means you come forward and worship here, do that. But in this next three and a half minutes of time at the feet of Jesus, I want you to ask yourself, who have you been acting or who have you been interacting with without love? Who have you been interacting with that has hurt you? And who do you need to go to one-on-one, -on -one, engaging in a place of love so that we can look and act more like Jesus? Let's pray.
Father God, you are such a good God. You give us commands and you give us clear paths to you. But God, we know that so often those paths are not the ones that seem the cleanest or the easiest or the ones that are going to be the least recognizable. So God, tonight as, as we worship one more time and, and we worship and we put ourselves at your feet, I pray that what we find there is boldness. Boldness to, to step out in the way that you have called us to. Boldness to say the words that you have called us to say. Boldness to believe and understand that scripture comes from you, that it is God-breathed, and that the power of what it says is bigger than anything we have in our lives. We love you, Lord. Let me pray. Amen.